You've heard me say before that my favorite time of my life was when I was in seminary learning about our faith and, and that I remember vividly at the time saying, I want to share all this with so many people that we don't learn this in our Catholic faith. And so over the last few years, I've been teaching you everything I've learned in seminary, and I still haven't even gotten through uh, uh, much of it. There's still a lot more to go. And I remember vividly talking about this passage in my scripture classes. You've, if you've heard our talks, I talk a lot about the mass being the wedding feast of the lamb. This is in preparation for what we will do in heaven. That's what the mass is about. And so this parable fits in beautifully. Now, why is that so? Okay, there were three stages to a Jewish wedding. Okay, so in Palestine. In a Jewish wedding in Palestine, you had three stages. The first was an engagement, right? And this is where a formal agreement was made by the fathers. My son will marry your daughter. My daughter will marry your son. That was agreed to an engagement by the fathers. Then the next stage was a betrothal. This is why we always hear Mary was betrothed to Jesus. This is more. This is the ceremony where mutual promises are now made. So Mary and Joseph would have already made those promises when she was betrothed to him. And then the final stage is the marriage. And this happened one year later. So they were always betrothed for one year. So after that one-year betrothal, they would have the marriage. So this was when the bridegroom would come for his bride. The thing is, he would come at an unexpected time. This is what Jesus was referring to. So in this parable, the first two stages have already happened. So it's already been an engagement. There's already been a betrothal. Now is the marriage. And during the marriage... The groom would come at an unexpected time. Now the wedding party is waiting. So the bridegroom, whenever he comes unexpectedly, sometimes would be even in the middle of the night. And so since the wedding procession would take place from the bride's house to the groom's home, it was at night. Because of that, they needed light. And so the bridal party had to get the light. This was the lamps, and they also had to be ready at any time. So here's what's going on. So then when the bridegroom um, arrived, the door then was shut. And anybody who was late was not admitted. We always used to tease Father Kaz about this. We say, Father Cash, don't be late for the wedding feast. We always used to tease him, be late for his own funeral, but not the wedding feast. God bless Father Cash. We, we love him. So in one way, this is directed at the Jews, okay? They were the chosen people. They should have been ready. They should have been prepared. Their lights, their lamps should be lit. Instead, they were unprepared, the Jews, and they were shut out. And it went to the Gentiles. Then we Gentiles spread the message of Christianity from Europe into the new world. And now we are in danger of being shut out. Because we're not prepared for the coming of Christ. So it warns us 
that there are certain things which cannot be obtained at the last minute. You got to be ready. You know, I'm, I'm always saying I can only fight the fires that are closest to my doorstep. I have to, I can't worry about the fires that are out in the field. I can only tackle the ones that are at my doorstep. But you know, if you wait too long, the fire's out of control. It's kind of like preparing for an exam. If you wait to the day of the exam to start preparing for the exam, if you're a student, especially when I had calculus and um, electromagnetism and those hard classes, um, man, you couldn't wait and just start preparing on the day of the exam. You know, in the New Testament, we see this. So what's going on? Christ is the groom and the whole church is called Christ's bride. Father, where do you get all this? Well, I got it from seminary, but it's in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23. And this is the beautiful gift that we have in our faith. Now, the Mass is this wedding feast of the Lamb. So, like the women here, the ten virgins, we need to be ready for the groom. Okay, now, without oil, the wedding party wouldn't be ready. Oil lit the lamps. And the Bible, oil also sometimes represented the Holy Spirit. Did you just hear the first reading that postulant James read? In the first reading, it's talking about who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So we're talking a connection here. The Holy Spirit in the Bible is represented a lot of times by oil. This is important. Without the Holy Spirit, no one is ready for the return of Jesus. Without oil, none of the virgins were ready because they couldn't light their lamps. Now, without the Holy Spirit, no one is ready for the return of Jesus. Why? Because the Father is made known to us by Jesus, the Son. But how is the Son made known to us? Jesus makes it clear. The paraclete. Without the paraclete, without the Holy Spirit, you do not know me. You cannot come to me. And so Jesus is made known to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what about oil? All right, oil is powerful. Oil, first of all, it heals. So in biblical times, it was used as medicine. The Holy Spirit heals. That's why we think of oil. That's why in anointing, we use the oil in the sacrament of healing. Oil also lights. That's the lamps we just hear about here. Burning in a lamp. This is the Holy Spirit. Where the Holy Spirit is, there is light. And so these foolish virgins were not excluded because the door was locked or they were not recognized. They were excluded because they offended the groom. They were not prepared without oil. Don't insult God. Be prepared. And the best way for us to do that is to be in a state of grace. To be in a state of grace. Use the sacraments. In fact, the sacrament of anointing of the sick, as I just said, uses oil. In the anointing of the sick, what happens? There is healing with oil. And it's normally done when the sick person is conscious, so they could accept it, yes. But do you know that anointing may also be used for those who are unconscious? 
if we believe that they would want the sacrament. This is interesting because anointing forgives sins and gives absolution, even if the person is unable to make a confession. When my mom was very, very sick and she didn't know who I was, she didn't know where she was, she was adamant about getting out of the house. She thought she was being held captive. This wasn't her home. And I see the healing now of her. It's unbelievable. Now she's very, very aware of things. You don't, you just don't heal from that. It's, she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And, and, and so the anointing that she was given is this oil. And the thing is, is she wasn't even able to make a confession. She wasn't able to, but yet she was forgiven. And so this, this sacrament of anointing with oil with the Holy Spirit is powerful. It's, now, yes, it's true. It's mainly for those who will die, but it could also be for those needing physical healing or even psychological, if it's dangerous, even psychological healing. Now, usually you don't come to the sacrament of anointing because, you know, you got a sliver. You know, don't, don't, don't do something like that. But it can be given even when there's just a chance of death. Do you know that people who are going under anesthesia that are being prepared for surgery, if you're being completely unconscious during an, a surgery, so you go under for anesthesia, you should get an anointing because there's always a chance, not me to be negative, but that you don't wake up. And so this has happened, this can happen. Um, now this is different. The sacrament of anointing is different from the anointing you get at a holy healing mass. We have healing masses here. And people drive from hundreds of miles away. God bless them. But they won't go to their own church on Sunday. They won't go to a Sunday mass, but they'll drive 200 miles to come to a Thursday healing mass. Now God bless them. But what you get at a healing mass is not the sacrament. Anointing, the word means blessing. So when the priest puts the oil of blessing on you at a healing mass, it's not sacramental anointing. Unless you specifically ask him for the right of anointing to have the sacrament done for you. It's still good. It's still beautiful. But a healing mass is no more powerful than this mass, a Sunday mass, all mass, are full of infinite grace. And so a priest has this ability to give you this healing through this oil of the Holy Spirit. In fact, do you know, can a priest give an anointing if you show up in an accident scene and somebody's unconscious, which has happened to me a couple times. A couple times I was able to give the anointing. A couple times the people ran me out yelling and swearing at me to get out of there. And the priest can give a conditional anointing in the case of an accident where there is somebody unconscious, even if you're not sure they're Catholic, because it's conditional that they will receive this grace, that they would want this grace. Now, can a baptized non-Catholic receive this? Actually, yes. But if you know that the person is not baptized, they need to get baptized first. Now, emergency baptisms, this is also something that can be done. <clears throat> for newly born infants, for example, 
that are in danger of death or, you know, uh, even a miscarriage. You can have that's a still death or a stillborn. Um, they can be, there can be an emergency baptism that anybody could do if a priest is not available. As long as you use the words, the Trinitarian formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now that does not mean take your grandkid tonight and put him in the bathtub and say, Father Chris said, I can baptize you today. No, that's supposed to go through the priest, through the parish, and only this is allowed in the cases of emergency of death. But in that case, anyone can baptize. So it's, again, I tried to do that at the scenes of accidents. All right, um, now you use water. That's why I always carry water in my car. Always carry a little bit of water. Don't use spit if, you, if you're gonna have an emergency baptism because somebody's dying on your arms. Have water available. Now, for regular baptism, if you're saying, Father, I want my children baptized, remember, really, only one parent has to give permission for a child to be baptized. But now, if it's an emergency near death, there is no needed permission. If you are witnessing somebody dying, you can baptize them. You, can baptize them. you have to find a priest first, if possible. But if not, you can baptize, and you don't need anybody's permission that person is laying unconscious in your arms and they are dying. Then, if you do the sacrament of anointing, don't forget to ask your priest, you hear me harp on this all the time, and that's the wrong word to use, remind you all the time, the apostolic pardon. Don't forget the apostolic pardon. This is one of the greatest graces we have in the church. The apostolic pardon can be given by any priest does not have to be a special priest. It's basically the last plenary indulgence, which removes not only all the sin, but all the punishment. Now, if a Catholic has had a regular habit of prayer throughout their life, and at the end of their life, receives absolution through confession, anointing with the oil, and the apostolic pardon, they should go straight to heaven. That's church teaching. Now they have to accept that grace. They have to truly be sorry for their sins in confession. They have to willingly receive the oil of anointing. And they have to be 100% committed to God in the apostolic pardon. They can go straight to heaven. Now, that's why we should have the absolution before the apostolic pardon or the anointing. We should do that if we can. That way you're in a state of grace. The apostolic pardon is really for the punishment. You want the sacrament of confession or anointing for the removal of the sin. Now, if a priest is not available, what is the next best thing? If a priest is not available, the next best thing, have the dying person say an act of contrition, just telling God that they're sorry for their sins, and make a spiritual communion, which we pray, Brother Mark will show on the screen now, here at every Mass at the shrine. If you make an act of contrition, telling God you're sorry for your sins, and you make a spiritual communion, which is, I can't receive you sacramentally, Lord. I'm laying sick at home in bed. 
you ask God to give you the grace as if you did receive Holy Communion. Now, if a priest cannot be present for the apostolic pardon, you cannot do that. However, and this is where I'm going to finish, the church lovingly grants these people who are rightly disposed, and the church has this authority. People always say, I'm not into man-made. The church is God-made. And he gives the authority. Well, I don't follow the teachings of men. Neither do I. But I follow the teachings of the men God appointed to teach me. Such as our bishops and, 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 and our magisterium. Now, if you are rightly disposed and you can't find a priest, what about the apostolic pardon? Okay. If they, again, are rightly disposed, a plenary indulgence can be obtained at death, provided that they had prayed in some way during their lifetime, and you place a cross or crucifix in their hand. This is right from the writings of the church. So if you are at the bedside of your dying loved one, have a rosary in your pocket, have a crucifix around your neck, and give it to them to hold. Because if a priest is not available for apostolic pardon, the church teaches that if you can't find a priest, but they had prayed and had some faith in their life, and you give them a cross to hold at that moment, they can receive the grace of the apostolic pardon. I never hear this. Never do I ever hear this anywhere except what I learned it in seminary. This is powerful. Well, Father, no, this is not correct, because for a plenary indulgence, they have to go to confession, they have to receive Holy Communion, and they have to pray the intentions of the Holy Father, and our Father, Hail Mary, and glory be. Are those true? Yes. Well, how does this person do it? They're unconscious. Well, the church teaches that those three conditions are substituted by you with the condition that you put that crucifix in their hand and provided that they had prayed and had faith in some way in their life. So start now praying, having faith in your life so that when you're that one lying in the bed dying, somebody can come to you and you can get this grace. So start praying now to the Holy Spirit so that people will know you had a regular life of prayer and, and have faith. God knows that's the most important. God will see that you've had a regular prayer time, uh, prayerful life, and he will give you the grace of that apostolic pardon, even if they can't find a priest. People will say this, I know I will get letters saying, Father, this is not church teaching. This is church teaching. This is church teaching. Oh, Father, this is blasphemy. This is not blasphemy. This is church teaching. Well, the church doesn't have the authority. The church does have this authority. This is the authority given by Christ in Matthew 16, 18. And so let us turn to the church. We are the bridegroom. And this is what this parable is all about. The bridegroom, I'm sorry, we are the bride. We are the bride. And this is what this parable is all about. Preparing for the bridegroom.
Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.